7 more obstacles that enterprises report in WordPress. A few weeks back, I shared another episode about the first 8 obstacles that we have reported here at Devrix for enterprises who reach out to us for new website builds or other platforms, migrations and all that other stuff. When it comes to switching back to WordPress or scaling WordPress websites and so forth. And most of those are related to businesses that already run on WordPress, but WordPress doesn't scale, so they don't trust the platform anymore, or companies that run on some proprietary enterprise platforms or SaaS-hosted web content management solutions, or something else that's apparently not WordPress, and they really distrust WordPress in that sense. So here's the continued list of 15 items. Uh, we've shared the first eight in a previous episode. Look up the archives and make sure you listen to them first. And here is number nine. So number nine effectively is the assumption that WordPress has lots of limitations in terms of functionality. Now, WordPress is obviously not ideal. It's content management system. It's an open source product that delivers lots of different kind of solutions for various types of businesses. So that's true that the platform by its own isn't really the most flexible thing out there. And not because it's a bad platform, it's simply because it's not a bare-bone programming language or anything along those lines. Because apparently if you take a plain programming language, well, you can do everything you want from scratch, it's simply going to take forever, and it's not necessarily going to be cheaper. Quite the contrary, it's probably going to be 50 times more expensive, you need a lot more experienced people, larger teams, better uh, kind of technical architects to, to kind of figure out some problems that have already been solved in WordPress basically 15 years ago or even more. Again, WordPress is not really always the right tool for any job. And I've already said that in other episodes too, because if I'm about to do a clone of uh, YouTube, for example, or Netflix, I definitely won't pick WordPress for it. Why? Well, because the core of both businesses is video streaming, video management, playing videos, video storage, and WordPress is simply more text-oriented in that sense. Sure, you can embed videos, you can upload videos, you can connect with Amazon S3 or some other services for video streaming and production and processing and compression, but it's simply going to take about 10% of WordPress and the rest is going to be more or less technical depth. But WordPress has hundreds if not thousands of integrations with uh, well-known solutions such as HubSpot, Salesforce, LinkedIn, Sivan, Boontrain, Parsley, and, and almost everything that you can come up with. MailChimp and, and all the other types of services and solutions that people use on a, on a regular basis. So the core infrastructure provides a good number of APIs already for creating different sort of uh, solutions and services. APIs for custom post types and taxonomies, for options, for complex HTTP queries, custom file system API, and a lot more, so it's definitely quite flexible. So having said that, if you're already using 80% or more of the WordPress core, if it's something that you'd otherwise build on a custom platform, well, it makes a lot more sense to just use WordPress as a starter and expand upon it further. Number 10, WordPress doesn't integrate well with services and internal tools. Now, as I already mentioned, that's definitely not the case because there are tons of different services that integrate very well with WordPress. As a matter of fact, most solutions know kind of if you're a software as a service business, you would like the, to hit maximum adoption for your customers. So the only kind of the first logical thing people start with is building integrations. And those integrations are usually built for 
the most popular platforms first because they can get the big, the kind of the uh, widest adoption. If WordPress powers 31% of the web and you have random CMS somewhere or ERP or something that tailors for 1% of the web, well, statistically speaking, you have 31% times the, the chance to close more customers if you build an integration for WordPress, which is what most businesses do anyways. So with that in mind, yeah, sure, you can integrate with tons of different solutions on top of WordPress simply because that's kind of what it's designed for in the first place. Now, a couple other things to keep in mind is there is the WordPress REST API, which was introduced two or three years ago. So the REST API allows you to create a RESTful application, meaning that WordPress could be kind of a third-party system just serving as a database with some APIs, and you can call it and fetch a lot of information from it. We do that for hybrid applications, for single page applications that are mainly HTML and JavaScript and calling and fetching and saving data to WordPress, which is more or less an external platform out there. So WordPress, again, is only used as an application framework and not so much as a CMS uh, with everything else that it provides. It can also lead to creating uh, something like a static website, which is uh, kind of saving versions of your posts and pages as static HTML files and serving them and syncing them every say four hours, six hours, 12 hours, every day or so, in order to keep them up to date. And basically you can only display a static page if you want to. Now, it obviously has its flaws. I don't necessarily recommend it because you end up with a static page and static pages can do a lot of stuff. So just manage comments or um, have some live feeds because them themselves, again, have to connect with a third-party API and fetch a lot of data. Most of the forms don't necessarily work. Third-party integrations don't necessarily work. But again, there are ways to, to kind of make it work. Also, WordPress as a platform, you can directly attach to WordPress's database, create new database tables, or even install something else like a different product with its own custom tables in the WordPress database and expand it from there. So that's definitely another great way to expand WordPress which is why there's no reason to think that WordPress doesn't integrate well with certain services, let alone other internal terms, uh, internal tools if you have access to your own infrastructure. Number 11 is the fact that backend is useless and some, sometimes incredibly complicated. That's an interesting thing because back in the day, WordPress became so popular because all the other competitors were much more cumbersome and complex and ugly, if I may say, and basically WordPress was assumed to be the easiest and the most user-friendly thing out there on the planet. And of course, this was 15 years ago. Nowadays, there are lots of other different services and uh, self-hosted solutions and SaaS-based CMSs like different site builders like Wix and Squarespace, and their uh, backends are easier and more lightweight. But at the same time, they provide just a small fraction of the services and the features that WordPress provides. So it's normal to have a lightweight interface with a lightweight set of features, right? But with that in mind, if you, it really depends on what you kind of focus. If you focus on the enterprise, well, that's probably something that you need to deal with, even though most enterprise solutions are even more cumbersome and rarely focus on user interface on its own. If it's a startup or a smaller business, then it's a different story. But then again, there are different ways to, to kind of adjust that. For example, admin menus and dashboard widgets can be reorganized, hidden, removed, renamed, and so on in order to simplify the backend user experience. 
So whatever you see in the backend dashboard essentially could be adjusted one way or another. You can also install backend themes that would match your corporate brand and style it as best as you see fit. You can create custom dashboards either as separate pages in the backend which are styled or even completely custom dashboard that just fetch data from the backend. And also you can export everything to front-end management. For example, we do have a, an LMS client, which is a learning management solution in the UK. And we've uh, kind of extracted everything from the backend and now the entire dashboard is on the front-end. And for a software as a service solution that we built, it's MyStore Locator Plus. It's still in the back end, but it resembles a completely different solution. Most people can't really say that it's WordPress in the first place simply because we spend a lot of time on just customizing it. And it looks like, again, a standalone proprietary platform. So with that in mind, again, there are different ways to make it work and different ways to improve the user experience as best as you see fit. And it doesn't mean that this should be achievable only by installing WordPress. But of course, when you work with a reasonable dev company, this is definitely possible. Number 12 is there's no established training vendor for onboarding. And that's actually more or less a valid point, even though it's not really a deal breaker because WordPress is, again, easy enough for the most part. The rest is actually custom builds, meaning that you can't hire random external company to teach you something about custom features that you've ordered about your website but still it's kind of a valid point because most enterprise web management systems which are closed source which are proprietary you can't really alter them or adjust them they do provide training courses onboarding courses in-house uh, implementation and deployment consultants and so on so it's a bit easier but then again you lose all the flexibility and you rely on a um, kind of external product however other platforms such as drupal they do partner up with, well, they don't really partner up with, but uh, it's uh, maintained and managed primarily by Acquia, the Drupal's parent company. And they're really great at trainings and onboardings and have partnership programs for training. So it's a different game. It's definitely not a bad one. It's just a bit more mature than it is for WordPress. But that said, there are tons of different training companies and solutions, such as uh, WP101 and video user manuals. They have pre-made training courses for WordPress users. You can take tons of different courses on Lynda or uh, Udemy and basically every other platform that um, speaks about web development. And of course, there are also developers that sell training courses proprietary. Some folks, including one of the co-founders of WordPress, Mike Little, they do organize custom training courses too. So that's also possible if you really rely on that. And of course, you can also discuss that with your development company in order to get the proper onboarding in-house. Number 13 is uh, open source is equal to lack of responsibility. And I've heard that a lot of times people say, well, when it's open source, you don't really have responsibility. You don't have someone to ask for something or inquire something or whatever is it. And my usual response is pretty much that when you're a Microsoft customer and you have Windows or Microsoft Office, you may need a feature and you may ask for a feature, but who cares? Like, well, try to ask for something in Microsoft Office or Windows as a custom feature for you, right? With tens of millions or probably hundreds of millions of users out there, a single person's opinion doesn't really matter that much unless you're a humongous corporation that's paying for hundreds of thousands of licenses, then probably it's a little bit of a different story, but still large businesses have their own agenda. So with that in mind, it's not really the same thing. WordPress is an open source product, but 
there are commercial enterprises that rely on WordPress. There are companies like Automatic that invest a lot in WordPress as a platform. There are proprietary based projects, again, running on WordPress with people who also contribute back to WordPress. So it's definitely much, uh, much different. So there is a difference between freedom and lack of responsibility. So it's really important to make that difference before moving forward with WordPress or any other solution for that matter. Number 14 is that there are too many steps to build, host, and maintain a, a WordPress platform. Now, some people say that there are indeed way too many steps to make it work, and uh, they say, well, I can go with LiveWire or uh, CloudFusion or any other self-hosted solution instead of just hosting with WordPress, meaning that it's a comparison between self-hosted versus hosted solution. And again, there are decent solutions that are hosted and you can definitely go for them but the more you proceed with your enterprise grade solution the more flexibility you'd need because you want to be unique you want to provide custom benefits to your business you want to be able to adjust to your corporate branding in by all means you want to be able to connect your solution with an ERP, with a CRM, with uh, marketing automation software solutions and most of the time you're going to hit different obstacles on its own by running on a self-hosted solution. So that's why essentially you need a self-hosted solution. So again, you can go for Crafter CMS, IBM uh, Web Content Manager, Adobe Experience Manager, Sitefinity, Hippo, or anything uh, of those hosted uh, solutions. But again, you're also losing the flexibility. And in reality, when you deploy a WordPress solution, you're not supposed to be doing it yourself. You're supposed to be partnering up with a dev company that's also handling hosting and also all enterprise-grade dev companies either handle hosting on themselves or have strategic partnerships with enterprise-grade hosting vendors in order to make it work. Simply because, again, there are traditional solutions and there is a difference between kind of traditional on-premise software to infrastructure as a service, to platform as a service, to software as a service. So there are hybrid solutions as well. There are reputable hosting vendors that would make it work. So don't worry about this one. Number 15, and it's kind of my sweet uh, spot here, is that WordPress isn't designed for enterprise for, uh, from day one. And of course, that's true. But at the same time, how many enterprises have really started as such? And if you account for the fact that Google is an enterprise-grade company now, because it serves tons of enterprises, it has Google Cloud Platform and a bunch of other things, well... It has started as Google in 1997, and Gmail was introduced in 2004, G Suite being Google Apps previously in 2006. Uh, a few years later, it had emerged in hardware and mobile solutions and Chromebooks and Google Pixels and home automation stuff. Lots of other things have changed over the past year. So lots of businesses have started as you know, even hobbyists or small and medium businesses and then emerge to enterprise-grade solutions. Or even the other way around, some enterprise-grade businesses start offering some consumer-based goods or tools or software applications simply because they want to kind of connect to a broader market. So with that in mind, yes, WordPress has started as a blogging platform, but that was back in 2003. And 15 years later, it's validated and used by Fortune 500 companies, and um, again, US celebrities and brands and governments and tons of different enterprise grade providers, automotive manufacturers and, and everything you can, you can pretty much think of. Again, don't 
Don't forget that 31% of the web is based on top of WordPress. And yes, while a great percentage of that is essentially blogs and magazines and whatnot, that doesn't mean that uh, tens of thousands of enterprises aren't using WordPress on a day-to-day -day basis as their main product, let alone those who use WordPress as a complementary solution to dozens of other services and solutions they have in-house. So that sums it up. This is the final list of 15 obstacles that enterprise report in WordPress. Uh, don't forget to scroll back and look the first episode for the first eight obstacles. This is the second batch of seven remaining obstacles. And that's pretty much for me. My name is Mario Peshev from Devrix. If you have any questions, look me up on Google or go to devwp.eu, reach out. And um, looking forward to hear you in the next episode and stay tuned until then.